It's watering time, everybody. It is time for Apollos Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today, we're having one of our... Deep Conversations. It's actually the second part of a two-part conversation that I had with Sandra Ponar. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, I would recommend going back and listening to that first, and then listening to this one right after that. Because last week, we heard her story, how she left Chicago to go out to L.A. to just follow and pursue the L.A. lifestyle and everything that goes with it. But we heard from her how that was so empty, and it wasn't until she turned back to Christ that she found true and lasting satisfaction. But turning to Christ comes with a price. The Bible talks about it time and time again, calling it the cost of discipleship. Today, we're going to hear about the price that she paid to follow Jesus. And just to give you a bit of a spoiler, it was worth the price. Happy listening. So with such a a wonderful change, I'm sure, though, that your best friend at the time, I'm sure because she seems to be steeped, she has many followers. How did she receive this change and how did actually how did the people around you feel about this change when did they notice it and how did they respond so the noticing it was pretty subtle because I once again was still trying to be friends with the world even after this dramatic change I didn't want to lose the friendships I had I didn't want to lose um the status that I gained so it it started with little things like if they would be gossiping about somebody, I just wouldn't engage. And I wouldn't say it was wrong. I just wouldn't engage. Or um, there have been instances where, um, oh, I remember. Okay. So my friend, she was someone who would smoke with me every day. And she noticed that I stopped. I was like, I, I'm going to stop smoking. And she was like, for how long? <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. I don't know. And a month in and I'm not, I'm still not smoking. And she's like, well, when are you going to do it again? And I'm like, I don't know. So I was, I was extremely vague and I was treading on eggshells the entire time, which was so wrong because it showed that I I had fear of man at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was honestly ashamed of the gospel, which is mm-hmm. crazy because Jesus freed me for, from so many things. And anxiety was the biggest one because I was always told that, um, there was never a cure. It would just be coping mechanisms. So the mm-hmm. fact that I, I hadn't had a panic attack since that night, um, like that's just miraculous, but I was still, I was still ashamed, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is crazy looking back, but the distance started to happen really slowly. And another thing that caused the distance was my friend was upset because I hadn't been paying rent. Like I, like you mentioned, I had been living off of her and, I was flooded with guilt for that. And I I told her I was so sorry and I never intended that. And we ended up um, making amends. But things changed when I was confronted about a certain question. So before I get into the question, 
just so you have context and backstory. My plan was to move back to Chicago because I was praying very specifically, Lord, if you want me to stay in LA, help me find a job that's going to sustain me. And there was this one job that I really wanted to do. It was in the social media world, um, but at like a company and I interviewed for it and it seemed like it was going to go really well. Like I had a chance and I was like, Lord, if you want me to stay in LA, let this be the job. Well, I never hear back from them. (laughs) So I was like, okay, whatever you want, Lord, like you have the steering wheel now. I already gave it to you. You're in charge of my life. Um, I want my future to be yours. So I knew, I knew from that prayer, Chicago is it. (laughs) So five days before I was supposed to move back, I had already been packed up and everything. My stuff was shipped off. Um, My friend asked me a question out of the blue. Right before we were going to a birthday party, she asked, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I knew this was going to be it. Like this is, there's no going back. There's no, there's no playing with the world anymore. I have to tell the truth and I can't deny the truth right now. Um, And looking back to, I think where the conviction came um, was from Ezekiel 33, where God tells him, if you don't tell those living in sin, that judgment is real. That's blood on your hands Mm -hmm. because ultimately this is life giving news. So repentance and faith in Jesus is what makes you right with God. If you have the cure to cancer and you don't give it to someone suffering with cancer and they die, that's blood on your hands. It's the same idea. We have the cure to life and to not tell someone about it is a cruel thing to do. So she asked me what the Bible said and I told her the truth. I was like, it, it says that it's a sin. And she asked me, well, do you think it's a choice? And honestly, I said, I don't know. And I should have said yes in that moment because I, I knew and believed that it was a choice. But I, I was scared in that moment. I had a lot of fear that she was going to cut me out completely. Mm-hmm. And I I tried to to point it to my own sin and be like, hey, look, I still struggle with drinking, um, but there's grace for that. That's the point of Jesus dying on the cross. And um, she, she kind of wouldn't let me talk anymore. She said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And she said, if, if you believed this, why would you live with me then? You've been judging me this whole time. And she walked out. And she she wouldn't let me even show her like a message I typed out to her because I wanted to explain to her that in high school, I since I had biblical morals, I also believed that it was wrong. And I had a best friend at the time who who came out as bisexual to only me and I still loved her. There was never any judgment, um, especially who am I to judge who's been living in sin for years. I know what it's like. And I know that Jesus is greater, but she, she wouldn't let me talk. And in that moment I knew I was like, this is it. It's over. And I remember texting my dad and I told him what happened and he sent me, Oh, I wish I remember where the reference is, but he sent me a verse that um, Jesus was saying, whoever leaves household brother, mother for me, for my sake, um, they'll be blessed along the lines of that. And the comfort that came with that, I was like, okay, I think it's clear that I'm fully on Jesus' side now. Um, but after that, that night, she texted me and was like, I don't think you should 
come home. I think you should grab your stuff and go somewhere else. Mm. So I, I got kicked out. <laughs> but thankfully, I, I have an aunt in L.A., in the L.A. area. She only lived 20 minutes away. And she's a believer. So I called her and I was like, hey, um, so I got kicked out. <laughs> I, I'll explain everything to you, but can you come get me? And she was more more than willing to come get me. And she's she's just a very sacrificial person. But um, I thank her for that all the time. But so in those five days, oh, I should explain that when I, I went home to pack my stuff, um, at least the suitcases of stuff that I had, I walked into all all of my friends being there, all mm. of them around my best friend, and they were all talking to each other. And I was like, oh, here we go. They mm. all hate me now. <laughs> but that night I, I went to my aunt's house. And what's so strange, <laughs> this is only God, what's so strange is that I I weirdly had no sorrow for losing my friends, but I had sorrow that they didn't know Jesus. Mm. I had so much sorrow that they didn't see eternity for what it is. I had so much sorrow that they chose to accept sin instead of accept Jesus. And in those moments, God filled me with so much joy. I mean, the Holy Spirit's called comforter. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did to me. He comforted me in, in that that dark moment, but it doesn't seem dark to me looking back because I, I just had so much joy of the Lord. And honestly, I felt sorrowful that I had joy and that she was hurt. I, I knew that I had hurt her. And I know what really happened was that I hurt her flesh mm. and I hurt her heart and heart, but it still broke my heart for her. And it was in those moments too, where I I cried out to God as father for the first time. Mm. And I I felt it deep in my soul, like the Holy Spirit bearing witness that you're a child of God. That's the first time where it was like, man, like I belong to him. I'm his daughter. He's for me. And he's my best friend. And that's when it, it truly shifted to all that matters is Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and um, so... Yeah, so doing ahead. that, so doing that and making that stance, you walk in, you see your friends, you feel this tension that's in the air, you leave and your friend is a social media influencer. So I am assuming she went on social media to talk about this. Um, not at that moment. It wasn't until a couple months after the situation. And what happened was she sent me a long text that I don't. I don't remember honestly what it said because I was like, Lord, I, I don't want to believe lies. I just want to believe what you have to say about me. Um, so he took a lot of the memory away, but I do remember certain phrases. She said that my faith was twisted, that I was wrong for hiding it, which I agree. I was wrong for hiding it. I should have been more vocal about it. Um, and she, she said, basically, if you make a video about this, if you post about this at all, I will retaliate. And, um, why, why did she feel that way? That seems like an odd thing. Why, post about this, that you were, I mean, what, that you'd said homosexuality was wrong. What was the reason she felt that she had to retaliate? Well, I know for one, she wasn't out yet. 
Um, uh. Yeah, she came out on her channel as bisexual, um, which is something that she came out to me like right in the beginning of our friendship. I was one of the first people to know and I was someone who comforted comfort her through it. But at the time, living in my sin, I, I didn't think anything of it. But it wasn't until I received the Holy Spirit and I had true conviction and I knew the truth where my standards and everything changed about me. The way I viewed the world was completely different. And I think that's something that's hard for people in the world to understand. Mm -hmm. The fact that you literally become a new creation. Um, I think it was hard for her. <clears throat> I think it was hard for her to understand that the person that she became friends with was not the person that was standing before her anymore. Like the old Sandra was dead and gone and the person that she knew was not there anymore. So she thought that I had been hiding this huge truth from her for the whole time. But really, I changed. And that's that. Mm. And then, But then she did come out via her social media and address this. After she came out, she then addressed you. Mm -hmm. Did she not? And what did she say? So the reason she came out with the video was she kind of she kind of stayed true to the threat. I ended up posting a video and it's honestly because I wanted to be public about my faith. I wanted to tell the followers that I had that I belong to Jesus now. And I had a strong, deep conviction to make a video about it. So that's what I did. And I didn't I didn't mention her. I just said me and my friends. We, we grew a distance from each other, especially because in that time I had locked myself in the room all the time listening to sermons. So I, I was very distanced and I basically explained the things that Jesus freed me from and how the Hollywood lifestyle isn't worth it. And that seemed to anger her. So she first posted an Instagram post of me. Um, I actually haven't read it. <laughs> Um, the reasoning is because I also had strong conviction during that time to just not pay attention to it. Just look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, I, I was constantly told, don't look back. Mm -hmm. And I knew that looking back would just hurt me or it would cause a spiral or, um, it would just have my eyes in the places that it didn't need to be. I just wanted to look up. Um, so she did an Instagram post about me and I had heard from a bunch of people around me, um, that she was posting about me and that's when hate started flooding in and people came to my video, which initially got great responses. People were so happy that I was happy, but once, once she posted about me, then I was getting literal death threats and people saying that I was a horrible person that I shouldn't judge anyone, that I'm going to go to hell, um, so many things. And that's that's when the first wave of hate came in. Then probably a month or so after that, she decided to make a video and it was called Coming Out and the Sandra Situation. Um, so of course, a lot of people are going to click on that because it's about coming out, but then addressing me in that too. And that's another thing that I didn't watch. <laughs> and it it sounds like a weird thing not to do because it's about me. You would think I would want to watch it, but it was the same case. It was just like huge conviction to just not even go there. Um, but my, my family watched it. People at church watched it. And um, I was able to hear 
through their filter um, things that were said about me. And even my dad would like scroll through the comments. And, you know, during that time, um, hold one second. I had an air bubble. (laughs) No, it's okay. During that time, um, with getting all this hate, it was crazy how close Jesus was to me. It's like, um, I heard Derek Prince say this before, that suffering with someone brings you in such intimate fellowship with them, like soldiers who go through the same experience become brothers for life. Mm -hmm. And suffering for the sake of Jesus made me so much more intertwined with him, even though I was already, it just deepened my relationship with him so much because I got the tiniest taste, the tiniest taste of what he went through. And the thing that kept me strong during it was remembering that Jesus has gone through far much worse than I ever, ever will endure. Mm -hmm. And, um, Another thing was I was constantly, constantly reminded by the Holy Spirit that when everyone was slandering Jesus, he was, he stood silent. He did not defend himself. He let God be the one to avenge. He let God be the one in charge. Um, And the crazy thing is that Jesus is God. He has every right to show them up and, and show them, Hey, I am God. Look at this miracle. Now you you can be quiet and stop mocking me. But no, he didn't do that. He stood silent. So during that time, I knew I was like, okay, I'll be like you, Jesus. I'll be silent. And there were many times that I did have the temptation to defend myself, to post something, to say my side of the story, or to, to talk about some lies that were being spread about me because there were a lot of lies. But I remembered once again, Jesus was falsely accused. He didn't do anything. Lies were spread about him. He was mocked, spit on, slandered. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't defend myself if God wasn't even going to defend himself. Mm. So in that, in that time, I, I took it as a chance, an opportunity to reflect Jesus and be silent. And actually it's funny I ended up posting a video, but it had nothing to do with the situation. It was a week after she posted hers and I had conviction to post how Jesus freed me from anxiety. <laughs> so that's exactly what I post. I didn't address anything. I, I was just like, hey, Jesus freed me from this. Here's how you can be free too. And during that time too, that's when I saw such beauty in the church and the body of Christ because I would have moments where I would want to cry or the pressure was getting to me. And in that exact moment, I would get a text from someone, Hey, I'm praying for you. Mm. And it would happen constantly, like over and over again, where it was in exact moments, someone would reach out to me, Hey, I've been praying for you for years. Like God put you on my heart. And I was like, how can I be sad? Like God loves me so much that he's putting me on all these people's heart at the same time. Some people who didn't even know what was going on would reach out to me and be like, hey, I don't know why, but I'm praying for you. So it was like I was so surrounded by love all the time with constant reminders of truth from God's word through his spirit to me that I was being carried through it. And all this weight was completely on Jesus. It was like I... I had nothing on my shoulders. It was all him taking it for me. And I had unexplainable, supernatural peace and joy throughout the whole situation. 
Um, I, I really can't explain it other than God is good and he was there for me and he comforted me and he kept assuring me that um, if if the world hates you and persecutes you, it's because they hated Jesus first. And in that time, it was an assurance that I belonged to him because I could see how the world was reacting. And I was like, okay, that means I belong to Jesus. Mm. That had to have been, I mean, and you described it, such a stressful thing. And to see so many people to be so angry, and and I'm sure you lost followers. And now, how many followers did you have before you made that announcement? I know you said this before, but how many approximately? So from Instagram, I had around 80,000. I want to say it was approaching 90, because I think it was around 88. And now on Instagram, I have 40,000. So you lost 40,000, I mean, almost 50, 50,000. Wow. And then in that, and that's where the main losses were. Did you lose it on Twitter? Did you lose it on, I mean, every, all your social media platforms, just everybody left you just like that. So on YouTube, actually, let me check my YouTube channel. Cause I'll be able to check. Cause I don't know how many I have right now. Well, I see on your YouTube channel, cause I'm there, you have 36, almost 37,000 followers and you have 394,000 views. Uh, yeah. So testimony. I, I had about 50 to 60,000 subscribers on YouTube. Wow. And you lost that many. And you said you got literal death threats. Mm-hmm. About how many how many threats are we talking about? Oh, thousands. I I had to take my comments and put them to private because honestly, I didn't want fights in the comments. I didn't want any of that ugliness to be seen. Um I I kind of took all the weight on myself. And, um, cause I know I, I saw there were arguments on my friend's video too. So I wanted to avoid any of that. And, um, it, it was literally thousands. Like I, I can't even, I, I said some of what they were like, you're going to hell. Um, you shouldn't judge. Um, even Christians coming for me saying that um, homosexuality is okay because Jesus died for sin. So we can sin like all this abuse of grace. I know that was, that was the saddest part for me. There were Christians standing up saying like, Oh, I'm a Christian and I don't claim Sandra. And it's, it's crazy how deceiving um, American churches have been. There's, there's so much doctrine out there that's false saying that because Jesus died for your sins, you can go out, commit sins, and they'll be covered. That's not the case. That's premeditated sin. Yeah. That's like spitting on the face of Jesus on the cross. Right. Um, we don't, we're not forgiven so we can abuse grace. Right. And well, that was the case. Well, that's what Paul says. Shall we mm-hmm. continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we have been saved from sin continue in it? But I think you're seeing, I mean, you've experienced it. Um, in our culture, that's kind of the cardinal uh, sin that if for in their minds, that if you speak out and say that you can't be whatever you want to be, whether it's homosexuality or gender identity, then you are on the outside. And I've heard so many Christians say the same thing. In fact, I was in, as you were in LA, I was in New England and I was there when gay marriage became legal. And there was a demonstration the last time that it passed through a vote in the uh, 
the state legislature, and I was there on the steps of the Boston Common, and just saying we wanted the right to vote, uh, that's all we were asking for, and there were two sides of the street, and on one side it had all of those who were promoting gay marriage, and they had their signs, and they were singing Bible songs. It was really surreal. And then on the other side, you had people just saying, give us the right to vote. And, I, and, and I'll admit, there were people that were shouting and at horrendous things uh, back and forth with one another. There were police on horseback. There were barricades. There were people driving down the street giving the, the, the pro-gay uh, marriage side a thumbs up and then giving us the one-way sign to heaven. Um, and I, I just lamented and I thought, where is the church of God in the middle of all this? And I ended up walking with my friend to use a restroom and, and there was someone on the other side of the, the road in the restroom with us. And there was just this tension in the room because we all had our perspective stickers or paraphernalia on. And, and I remember just this tension and then walking out and then still looking up to heaven saying, Lord, where is the church in the middle of all this? And then I hear this trumpet and I look over and it says 31 churches united. And I thought to myself, oh, here's the Calvary. And then it said for gay marriage. Hmm. And then I thought, that's it. Let's pack it up and go home. Um, and and I've, I'm still struck. I still struggle with the uh, the idea of how much the church doesn't understand. And and to go back, I I've had several friends and family members over the years that have this has been their sin, and it's always the age old argument: Am I born this way? Am I not? And I was actually at a coffee shop in uh, not too far from where I'm at, and I was with a friend of mine. And three men came in the room, came outside. We were all sitting outside, and. Uh, they looked very effeminate. And so my assumption was that they uh, were were uh, practicing uh, homosexuals. And so I was talking to my friend and we hear the words Sodom and Gomorrah and our ears perked up. And my friend said, who is also a pastor, he had said, should we jump in this conversation? And I thought, this is no, <laughs> I don't, this is an awkward conversation. And then they start talking about another sin. And so my friend just turns around and says, uh, if, you know, if that's a sin, how, how does that send you to hell? And the next thing I, I know, here are these two pastors having this conversation with these three gay men about homosexuality. And one of the one of them, uh, two were younger and one was older. And he had been raised in the church. He had gone to a Christian university. And he said, you're not you say that I'm not born this way. And I said, yes and no. And he said, what? I said, well, you know, let me tell you a story. I said, imagine an 18-wheeler like you'd see on the road, and it has a, a trailer on the back of it with all these different cars stacked. And the driver of that truck is told he can drive wherever he wants to drive except one place where there's a gate. And then it says, do not enter, death ahead. And he drives around everywhere he wants to go until he comes back one day and he sees a guy closing that very gate. And he says to him, hey, how do you get to drive in that area? And I don't. He goes, you do. He goes, you're not going to die. You just got to plow your truck through and it goes straight up a hill and you'll be fine. So that's exactly what he does. And he gets to the very top of this hill after he plows his truck through. And then he doesn't realize that he's on the edge of a cliff. And then he drives that truck off of the edge and all those cars that were in the back of that trailer fly out. And some land on the roof, some land on their, the, the left side, right side. Everything's damaged in different ways. And and because I was meditating on this, and God gave me this picture, and I and I was trying to figure out what is this eighteen wheeler. And then He said the driver of that truck is Adam, for the Bible says in Romans chapter five, for as in Adam we all die. So Adam was really when he sinned, we were in Adam, and each one of us is dented in a different way. 
And I said, your dent is homosexuality, just like my dent might be lust or greed or drug use or lying or bestiality or pedophilia or, you know, whatever it might be, pornography. We all are born with original sin, but each one of us is condemned with our original sin. And each one of us has to find victory through the cross of Christ. And, and so I've used that illustration in different places to explain to people why certain people struggle. And, and my point is, we're all born with original sin, but only through Christ can we find a victory. And so anyway, that's just to, to reiterate what you were kind of talking about. Um, are you there? Yeah. I yeah. just wanted to say amen exactly. <laughs> um, we're we're all born into sin and um, we all stand condemned. So when someone, when a Christian is telling you of sin, that does not mean they're condemning you. Right. The fact is that we all were condemned and we all stand condemned. And in order to not be, we need to repent of those sins and realize like we have responsibility in the way we've been acting. And I think it's dangerous. Um with the whole LGBT community that they, they kind of say that it's not a choice because in a sense, you're, you're victimizing yourself Mm -hmm. and to victimize yourself through sin. That's a very dangerous place to be um, because that shows a lot of pride. Um, It, it, it's hard for God to work through someone who is completely given over to their sinful desires and um well that's where james comes in right mm -hmm. where each one of us is is dragged by our own sinful desires and the question is is where do those desires come from Mm -hmm. and that's where i've i've rustled over the years because this was a subject that i think many christians do rustle with understanding and we don't have a good way of illustrating it and that illustration for me has been awesome because i've been invited to speak at a lot of different places schools college campuses and eventually i'll share that and as soon as I start the story, people get really defensive, like they're going to fight. But when I share that we're all born with a dent of disobedience, that we're all condemned for, it all changes because everyone realizes they all have their own specific dent and they know what it is. And the hard part when we get into that sinful aspect of things, when we, we say they're natural, it's the question is, is where do we draw the line? Is that murder natural? Is that desire for sex with a, a, a child, if one has that, is that natural? No, these are fallen desires. We just have some that become more acceptable societally than we realize. And we have to go back to the Bible to be have that corrective lens put on us, because without God's revelation, we have nothing. And that's something you're testifying about, saying that God changed my heart. He showed me within his word. He has awakened that within me. And I care for people. And and I, I share with them because I care, because I don't want them to deal with the, the consequences of following their sinful desires that are inevitably to come. And they may not realize it now, but they're going to happen. I mean, am I right in that? Exactly. I mean, I always, I always think of this picture of imagine if you're up in the sky and you see your friend and they're in a field of tall grass. They can't see where they're going. But the direction that they're walking in, they're going to fall off a cliff. Do you tell that friend or not? Of course you do. Um, it would be cruel not to. So when when you hear a Christian saying like, hey, this is a sin, 
um, you're you're telling them that they're going in a direction that's going to lead to eternal destruction. And that's not condemning a person because you don't stop there. You talk about the gospel and you share what Jesus did for you. Um, you, you know, picking that up, I'm reminded of the story, and maybe you've heard of this, with uh, Penn Jillette of Penn and Teller, the magicians that are in L.A. And uh, Penn Jillette is a big time atheist. But he tells a story about a guy walking up to him after his performance, and he says, I'm not a weirdo, I'm not crazy, but I want to share with you who Jesus is and give you this Bible. And Gillette said, he's like, you know, I appreciate those guys' courage and his conviction. I disagree with them. But he said, I appreciate the guy's courage because if you believe that I'm about to get hit by a bus and you're running up to push me away, then that shows that you care. He goes, I have no respect for people who refuse to share and tell me about something that you, like you say you believe it, but yet you don't because you would tell me about it. And he goes, this guy believes I'm getting ready to be hit by a bus of God's wrath and he's trying to push me away. And exactly. I thought, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that, I'm just saying is that's what you're doing. You, you were you would, you were doing, you're saying, I, I love you. And I think we forget this as Christians because our society says, if you tell us that we're wrong, then you're wrong. But we do that because we, we believe the truth of who Jesus is and we care. And I think this is where sometimes we get lost and our media takes it over is that it makes us look like these people that are out there con condemning rather than loving. And sometimes we have to be careful of our tone uh, and how we do show that love. But that's exactly what you're trying to do. I agree. And it's, it's hard because I've been labeled as homophobic on so many websites. There's articles about me labeling me as homophobic. And it's like, take that word down and the fear of, of homophobia. Like I, I have no fear of that. I have no fear of sin in general. Um, to, to call someone out is me showing that I love you and I don't want you to live in an eternity apart from God. Mm -hmm. And love is seeking the other's highest good. Mm -hmm. So the highest good is an eternity with God. It's to be in fellowship with God. Um, it's to have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, the blessings that we get for following Jesus are crazy. Our, our inheritance, mm -hmm. um, Jesus preparing a place for us. Uh, an eternity of joy, no more tears. I want that for people too. And me sharing that with someone is inviting them to receive it as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I laugh uh, and, and I sorrow when I hear your story and I hear people say, oh, you're a homophobic. And then I try to turn that sometimes because I'm like, well, then you're a Christophobic. <laughs> you're afraid of me because, because really... It, that's the that's the slur we get today. You're either homophobic, you're bigot, um, you hate, but yet that's the exact use that they're doing to us, meaning that you are hating us. You are hating because we are saying something is wrong. And it all depends on who has the, in many ways, the power in that relationship that determines right and wrong. And right now we see with social media, the, the how our world just loves and is triumphing sin, that our voice is is to the periphery. But I, as you said, and I, I take encouragement from this, when Jesus said, you know, the world will hate you, but take, take courage. It hated me first because I testified that their deeds were evil. 
and we do so in love and it's not easy and you've really paid that price. Mm-hmm. And, and what, I mean, you've talked a lot about what God has shown you in the midst of this. You have paid a high price from a social media perspective, but yet God has seemingly given you this incredible peace in the middle of all this. And, mm-hmm. I, and I know it's a, you know, a process as well as we're learning how to walk in this Christ likeness. And what is God showing you now? I mean, you've lived, you've moved out of LA. You're, you're still now, I mean, you're, you've been back in the Chicagoland area for a while. And what, as you look back over those years, what do you, what do you see and wish you could communicate to other people? I mean, it's crazy when I look back, I was, I was literally looking back the other day. And when I think about all the things that I've done and the person that I was, it's so crazy how far removed it is from me. I look back and I'm like, that's, that's not even me. I don't know that person. Um, So something that I, I definitely learned was since I was thrown into the fire right away as a baby Christian, Um, was that following Jesus is not going to make you popular. There is a false doctrine in America that following Jesus equals wealth, health, and success. But if you look at the lives of believers in the Bible, Stephen was stoned to death for sharing the gospel. Paul was also stoned nearly to death. John was thrown into a pot of boiling oil. The apostles were constantly thrown into jail. Peter was crucified upside down. There's so many accounts of Christians enduring insane suffering throughout all of history. If you want to know, read Fox's Book of Martyrs because it's insane. But um, this this Leonard Ravenhill quote always sticks with me, which is, why do we expect to be better treated in this world than Jesus was? Mm. If if Jesus was treated as a criminal, um, someone to be despised, someone who was mocked and beaten and um, made fun of and crucified, ultimately, we shouldn't expect to be treated better than that. And I think right now, the the church, especially in America, they're afraid. Um, we, we definitely live in a very privileged country, a country that's very comfortable, and they've grown afraid of the opinion of the world. And I, I want to say that the cost of following Jesus is so worth it because once you step out and actually do it and you see all the blessings that he gives you, it's, it's not even a question. Like it's not even something to, to think about twice. He's so worth it. Like you said, and I mentioned the unexplainable joy and peace and comfort that I've received from him. It pales in comparison to what the world thinks. And the other big lesson is that the pleasures of the world are not satisfying at all. I've been there and I've experienced a lot of things that people really desire. And I was dead. I was depressed. I was riddled with anxiety. And the only thing that's going to give you true identity and true satisfaction is Jesus. Like he says in John 6, that he's the bread of life. Whoever comes to him shall not hunger. Whoever believes in him shall never thirst. So right now the world is hungry and thirsty and it's it's for love, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And the only place you're going to ever find it is Jesus. Mm. And um, another thing is God never promises that we won't suffer 
but he does promise that one day suffering will come to an end. He promises he will be with us every step of the way. He promises a reward for those who suffer for the sake of Jesus. And his glory is displayed so greatly through us when we're able to not only stand firm in hard times, but have real joy through it. Mm, that's a good word. I, I love that. And I love what God has done in your life. And I am just amazed at how he has worked in you, how he's working through you now. I'm an, I'm incredibly amazed with what you've gone through and just the perspective and the grace that you have. And I pray that God uses your testimony to continue to touch so many people uh, with the glorious gospel of Jesus. And, and let me let me ask you this: as you've you know again left that world behind, do you have any more connections with the people of your past? Have they? try to, has anyone tried to maintain a connection with you? No, not at all. It's, it's been completely cut off. And, you know, I, I really do pray for that situation to happen because nothing would make my heart more happy than from someone in my past come to me and be like, Hey, I see you follow Jesus. I've, I've heard that you gained all this true happiness, joy, peace from him. I want that too. Um, I can't even describe how happy that would make me. Um, but I'm, yeah, like I said, I pray for that all the time, but there's no contact at all. Mm. Now, what are you doing now? I mean, you, you've, you've described this piece. You've gone from this place of being kind of at the, in many ways, the apex, as many would perceive it as, as a social media influencer, living a life out in LA. And what are you doing now? It's funny because the influence that I value now is so different and so much lesser. Um, I Right now, I'm a youth leader at our church, and I am able to influence a lot of lives around me. Um, and I, I much prefer having this, this relationship that is, is filled with just deepness with youth and I've seen lives change just like how God has changed mine. Mm -hmm. And I am able to spread the word that these things that you're searching for are not satisfying. Um, I, I'm so thankful for my testimony because I've experienced so many different aspects. I've tried to find identity in so many different things that I'm able to relate to youth who are searching for their identity and the wrong things too. And I'm able to point them to Jesus constantly. And um, uh, my life is definitely full of service to God. I take every position that he's placed me in very seriously. Um, I spend my time in the word happily every day. <laughs> I, I just, I love him and I, I know everything that he saved me from and I want my life to fully reflect him, fully belong to him. And I um, am able to tell everyone that it's it's worth being bold for Jesus. Um, a lot of youth, you know, have the fear that their friends won't like them anymore. Um, a lot of youth are searching for satisfaction through drugs, drinking, through being popular, not on a scale that I was, but I'm able to tell them that it's so worth it. The cost of Christ is so worth it because he bought you at a way bigger cost. Um, our bodies were bought by his body. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> well, that's awesome. 
<clears throat> That's awesome. And I, I would encourage people to go online to hear more of your testimony, to uh, follow you and continue, because I think God's got great things in store for you in the future. He's already using you. He's using you to encourage people, to draw people back to himself as you continue to testify to his glorious goodness and grace and everything that he's done for you. And I just want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I love any sort of opportunity where I get to brag about Jesus and point people to the gospel. And I think this is something that especially Christians in America need to hear that you are going to suffer, whether it's suffering your reputation or suffering a job or just the friendships around you. It's going to be for the better because God knows what's best for you. And through through all the suffering we go through, there's sanctification. Mm -hmm. He grows us so much through that. And being thrown through fiery trials, that's ultimately for your good because I know James says that it'll build endurance. And it'll make you complete, lacking nothing. So God has a plan and purpose for suffering, and you shouldn't be afraid of it because he's got you. I mean, if you look in Old Testament stories of him parting the Red Sea, of Daniel being surrounded by lions and they don't even touch him, that's the God we serve. So there's nothing to be afraid of. If somebody hates you, rejoice. Your reward is great in heaven and you belong to Jesus. Amen and amen. How, how can people follow you? What's the way that they can get in touch with you if they want to know more of your story or they just simply want to, I mean, they want you to come and speak at maybe their youth or their church. Um, how can people get in contact with you? So the best way to reach me is probably through Instagram DMs. My Instagram is Sandwa, S-A-N-D-W-A. And if you just want to see me post, um, I, I tend to post a lot on Snapchat, just quotes or whatever I'm reading that maybe stood out to me, anything that's pressing on my heart. Um, but yeah, those are the two places to to reach me and see where I post. But I don't post often because I, I tend to still have that temptation to want to post pictures of myself. Mm. I mean, the, the old man is dead, but it'll still come for you in temptation. So I'm very careful about when I post and how I post. But to reach me, definitely go to Instagram. Awesome. Again, thank you for coming on the show, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. What an inspiration. I'm amazed at what God has done in her life. I'm amazed that she is as strong as she is, and she sees that it was worth the price, the cost of discipleship. Incredible. To be at a place out in L.A., to have the success that she had, to have as many followers that she had, but yet to take a stand for God, to take a stand for the Word of God. And it, it reminds me of the song, Though none go with me, I still will follow. What an incredible testimony of this young woman. And I want to thank Sandra for coming out again. And I would encourage you to look her up online, go to YouTube, Google her testimony, and you can see it for yourself just to hear what God has done in her life. And also to let you know of some opportunities that we have for you. Coming up on April 23rd through April 25th, we're going to have our second men's retreat at Phantom Ranch Bible Camp in McWanago, Wisconsin. 
Space is limited, so I would encourage you to sign up as quickly as possible as we talk about what it means to bloom in Babylon. There's going to be a time of worship, opening up the Word of God, merchandise, great fellowship, good food, just a great time to be together as we discover together how we might thrive in the midst of this crazy world in which we live. I also want to thank our Apollos Watered team, Eliana Fleming, Rebecca Bedall, Brian Dana, and Kevin O'Brien. None of this could happen without their unique contributions and gifts. Also, we want to thank Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. She's an awesome sponsor, and she's an even more amazing real estate agent. She has an incredible team that are ready to serve you. They will sit down with you, find out what you are looking for, what your needs are, and then will present the best options to you. I would recommend giving her a call or text today at 630-201-4664. That's 630 630- 2014664 and be sure to tell her that Travis sent you. I also want to let you know of opportunities that you have to support and partner with us in our ministry. First of all, we want you to pray for this ministry. We would ask that you really do pray that God would open the door to share his word and strengthen people in their relationships with God, that their faith might be watered and that they can go water their worlds. And not only are we asking you to pray, but we're asking you to subscribe to this podcast, give us a rating online, share it with other people and interact with us on our social media pages. And would you consider being one of our Apollos Watered Army? The Apollos Watered Army is what makes this go. They are those who pray for us and support us on a monthly basis. Go to apolloswater.org and up in the right-hand corner is a small little square. That's our support us button. Hit that. You can support us with as little as $2 a month or whatever amount you want to give. We would be very grateful to have you be a part of this Apollos Watered Army that is making a difference around the world. It's incredible what God's done in just the short amount of time that we have been online. We're already in 27 different countries and 38 different states, and that is growing all the time. So partner with us. Join the Apollos Watered Army. We want to give a shout out to the Lyndon Myers, as well as the Taylor family and the Christensen family, as well as Teresa Boys for joining the Apollos Watered Army. Thank you. Water your faith, water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. Hey.